HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Slate Company, a manufacturer of slate cheese boards, coasters, and other fine items. For more information, visit brooklynslate.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Welcome back, me. I've taken, <laughs> I've taken a month off, but back and so excited to have two wonderful ladies in the studio of Gathered Journal, Michelle Outland and Fiorella Valdesolo. Got it, it right? That's, that's right. That's a lot of letters. That's it. It's a lot. Well, there's a lot of text and beautiful pictures in this magazine itself. When it came out, what was it? Summer of 2012. Last summer. Stunning. I mean, just so different and precious in the nice way. I don't like using that word all the time because sometimes it has this very funny context, but such an inspired piece of work. Uh, From years in magazines, you two have been in the creative side, in in the writing side, in the editing sides, but this is your first magazine that you own, that you're behind, and how does that feel? crazy (laughs) totally surreal we birthed it together um yeah it's wild it's still wild to us i think every every issue that we've gotten the packages of we're like we did that no way um so it feels amazing every time yeah and with this background in magazines and style Mm -hmm. why incorporate food did you have a childhood of fond memories in the kitchen with with parents and loved ones or you know working in restaurants, kitchens? Um, Culmination of everything. I mean, definitely uh, both of us have uh, families where food is super important. It was a big part of our upbringing. Um, But then also just we just have a shared love of food. And um, besides meeting and working together at magazines, we had the love of print. And then, you know, that sort of honed in what we wanted to do because we eat and talk about food all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that meeting? When did you first two 
Um, well, Set eyes on each other. We, well, <laughs> it was across the way at Nylon Magazine many years ago. Um, yeah, we worked together at Nylon for some time. I was there for a little over four years, and Michelle was there for two. Um, and we became dear friends there, really enjoyed working together creatively on staff. And when we left to go freelance, I think after a few years, we were kind of itching to do something besides our usual freelance gigs and um, birthed the idea for this because it was really the thing that we were talking about the most was food. We were like, where'd you eat? What'd you cook? So like, we should do something with food and it should definitely be print because that's the only medium we love. I agree. I'm a <laughs> diehard paper person. Yeah, so we love paper. Forever. Yes. But it's such a different point of view, you know, yeah. uh, and I know you are still contributing writer to style.com mm-hmm. and uh, Michelle, you've worked on launches for like everyday food, uh, mm-hmm. you know, other topics such as that, but nothing is like this. I mean, it, it was very hard for me to kind of figure out what to say about Gather mm-hmm. Journal because even every issue is so different from each other, yeah. using such thematic things as float on the first issue, mm-hmm. traces, and then uh, the last one right in front of me, rough <laughs> cut, which I love. Thank and, you, you know, uh, aside from having this beautifully grotesque that jolie lod kind of (laughs) you know look of a what kind of pie a black and blueberry pie with a knife sticking out (laughs) of it you know and it was beautiful yeah but then to read about it having that allegory to hitchcock yeah blew my mind (laughs) so how do you concept each issue how did you concept you know the the totality of gather initially Um, I think we always thought that each issue was going to be, we were just going to pick a word and have that kind of drive the theme in a lot of different directions. Um, But we wanted the word to always be loose so that we could interpret it in many ways. The last issue, the rough cut issue, which was all about film, was probably the most kind of formatted one that I think we did. Um, The other, the first two, I think, were a little bit looser than this one. Um, But I also think we just... We're gravitating, gravitating towards things that interest us personally. Totally. I mean, it's very personal, yeah. what we're doing. I mean, that's the whole point of doing your own magazine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get to do whatever we want. <laughs> it, it, it's nice to be the boss. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and Michelle, being the creative de- director of the magazine, and again, having worked for you know wonderful places like Domino Magazine, uh, yeah. as well as Martha Stewart Living, yeah. you know, th- there's not only, you know, a context, but a visual idea. Um, and there's such an amazing mood set in these pages. Yeah. What comes first? Is, is it the, you know, food, the recipe, the idea, or is it some of these, you know, stunning illustrations and hues and tones? Um, it's definitely the food first. We definitely, when we are putting together an issue and the brainstorm session begins between me and Fiorella, and then we bring in our recipe developers, Maggie Ruggiero and Molly Schuster. Yay, Molly Schuster. Yay, Molly. Hey, Maggie. And hi, Maggie. And um, so then the four of us start a brainstorm, and it's very focused on the food. Um, But again, you know, the great pleasure in doing our thing is that, you know, I've worked at really amazing places such as Domino and Martha Stewart, and I've learned a lot in those places um, and worked with amazing people. So obviously, you know, a lot of this is pulling from those people I've worked with before. uh, But I was very interested in trying to push the visuals in a way that maybe hasn't quite been seen before in food photography. And, you know, again, we have nothing to lose, so mm-hmm. why yeah. not? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what were food photography standards? What had you seen so much that you wanted to depart from it? 
I mean, I think uh, currently the sort of natural daylit, um, you know, sort of food looking beautiful sort of, and, and I do think food is beautiful in a lot of contexts, but there is definitely sort of a particular visual happening at the moment. And the thing that I enjoy trying to do with gather is have it be a little more transportative. Is that a word? Transportive. Yeah. <laughs> transportive. It is now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am the visual. Yeah. The words. <laughs> um, so it's just a lot of fun to, you know, not, have it necessarily be like I see a plate of food with a drink next to it you know so I think it's really fun to sort of take it in wild places well aside from setting a scene there's a great narrative to it to the whole thing Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know Fiorella you coming from the writing background yes how important are these leads and what are some of your favorite ones from the last few issues um, I think every issue, like it starts with the intro piece that's kind of sets the tone for it. Um, and that's where, I don't know, it takes me a little, a little bit of time to kind of formulate where, where that's going. And once I have that, I kind of feel like it drives the, the issues contents a little bit more. Um, I feel like we've had such amazing contributions to recent issues. I loved, uh, Celia Ellenberg wrote a great essay in this one about her, uh, experience at Jewish summer camp and, you know, sneaking cheeseburgers at Friendly's, which I thought was pretty great. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of the, I want the text to be um, really story driven and for people are kind of telling stories about food and food is just kind of the jumping off point for them kind of recalling memories about family and growing up and uh, yeah. Well, let's start with float. You know, the, the one thing that I had in my mind, uh, I just did a book with Brooklyn Pharmacy, mm-hmm. the, the soda fountain yeah. over in Carroll Gardens. And I'm like, the only thing I can think of that is float is an ice cream float. And there it was mm-hmm. you know, from the onset. <laughs> we had yeah. to do it. You, you yeah. gave it to <laughs> you know, us. Uh, <laughs> but from then on, there, there were no givens. There, there yeah. were these very interesting roads taken mm-hmm. to what float actually means uh, from salt to mm-hmm. many other seafood, you know, oyster spreads. Um, Finishing eventually with mm-hmm. the apropoly name Il Flotant. Mm-hmm. Now, when you had float, how did you start putting these recipes in? Or was it one specific recipe that made you want to do more float? I think we were thinking of the word uh, not just like float literally, but also like it's light. It's really, it's summery. It's, it's really um, lightweight type of food a lot of stuff from the sea obviously salt definitely encompassed a whole chapter um i don't know what do you want to say about it kind of it went it took you could take it in so many different directions i think that's why we have fun with these words is that we try and pick a word that's loose enough that you can interpret in so many different ways that it doesn't have to just be this literal literal thing and you know there there is a starkness to a couple of the you know beginning images in in that issue from the oysters, where it's a couple split open on the table, oyster knife. Mm-hmm. But then this rich darkness uh, of the tentacles of the fried baby octopus. Yeah, it's a I great mean, picture. that whole spread is just tremendous. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Again, I, I can't say anything or enough about that, but <laughs> what did that mean to you once you saw that on a page? Was that the direction you were going for? Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, it was super exciting when we were putting it all together. Uh, with, For example, with the oysters that you mentioned earlier, um, 
it was shot by Marcus Nilsson, and I had approached him to shoot it because of this one image that I had seen of his, and it was simply because of the lighting, and I mean, he's an amazing photographer, I wanted to work with him anyways, but there's this one particular image that I had seen, and he was like, oh, I took that on holiday while I was in Italy, and literally that picture was the impetus for the whole story, and so I think a lot of the way I develop the stories with the photographers is that I'm hopefully and most often going to them for what they do, how they shoot stuff. But sometimes I see, you know, something in their work and I'm like, let's riff off of this. And um, so that whole oyster story was sort of from that one image, which was really exciting. And I think it was also exciting for Marcus to sort of develop it in that way. And then the oyster, uh, sorry, the octopus story uh, was shot by Joseph DeLeo. And um, again, uh, Maggie, the food stylist, had brought a bag of oysters to the shoot. And she was like, this is beautiful. She just held it up and was like, this is beautiful. And we were like, yeah, let's shoot it. And it, I mean, it's one of the most powerful spreads in the, the issue. So I love the fact that your loving contributes, cr- contributors actually contribute. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, uh, not just their imagery, but their ideas. Mm-hmm. Very and much so. Then, obviously, the, the cast of photographers and creatives you have from Gentle and Hires, you know, we we mentioned Marcus Pebnan, Monk, Grant Cornett, Roland Bello. I mean, th- these are not just mainstays, but game changers in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. again, how excited were you <laughs> to work with these kind of people? I mean, the first issue, I was pinching myself when yeah. we looked at the lineup at the end of the day, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It was seriously awesome. It was the best bunch of people who, who took a big chance on us. You know, it was something that, that you know, you, you come to a photographer and or a whole creative team and we're like, we're doing this thing. And they had they had nothing to look at. They, yeah. they didn't know what we were doing. And so they took a big chance, which was great. So I'm going to throw out a couple of recipes from that first issue. And you can tell me, you know... Uh, what the scene was like and what the story behind that recipe was because some of them are really fascinating the gazpacho water oh that was fun to put together yeah the watermelon i think we just wanted something that just was like summer incarnate for that and it really felt so kind of fresh and light and the watermelon flavor was just it was exquisite yeah i don't know if you've tried it but it's It's really it's one of the better recipes i mean all of the recipes are great but you must make it it's it's really amazing the flavor I mean, talking about something that kind of is lighter than air, decontextualizing an actual gazpacho and just mm-hmm. serving, you know, the pureness of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of amazing. And and with that pureness, other things that kind of float, like burrata, mm-hmm. poached eggs. Yeah. How important were those as symbols within that issue? I think um, eggs especially, and the, the way that we showed them poached, it's just that's it has such a floaty, light-as-air quality to it. Um, and that recipe, again, is delicious with the asparagus. It's just a great kind of summer dash il flotante one of my favorite desserts of all time <laughs> that was definitely a that's, given for the issue yeah. yeah i mean it needed to happen yeah <laughs> it's, and it's just so yeah. i don't know i mean i for me from the visual side of yeah. it it's one of my favorite photographs it's on the whole issue picture. grant cornett shot it yeah theo van bunakis styled it and maggie um food styled it it was amazing so i mean talking about recipes and things that look beautiful i, I know there are a couple foods or a couple scenes that are harder than not to actually photograph or make look beautiful. Do you try to approach those things or do you try to avoid those things and, you know, see a beautiful bag of oysters and photograph that instead of making something, you know, that seemingly murky or dark or hard to photograph? Mm. Um, 
it's a little bit of a mix. I know when we are brainstorming and when we're developing recipes, I know sometimes I'm thinking from a very visual standpoint, uh, and that might direct a little bit of what I'm nudging and what I'm not nudging. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know. I I don't think we try and we're not too scared off by anything. No. (laughs) Because, you know, there were so many beautiful uh, kind of assets in float and then traces changed a little bit you know and that's why it's kind of amazing to me that from issue to issue and i know you've only had three so far literally closing out the fourth before coming to the studio (laughs) um you know that second issue traces was such a departure from the first why what was that bridge i think it was a seasonal thing too we just when we were doing it it just felt like it needed to be kind of darker and cozier and uh, more evocative of kind of winter time than float. It just it actually came together, I think, really easily because we saw so much of it as just kind of like the antithesis of what we did with float and just a completely different, um, completely different take. Yeah, and definitely my directive visually was to go much darker. Yeah, we wanted <laughs> yeah. like darkness. <laughs> I mean, having blue vein and blue cheese probably helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, the depth of color in that Gravlox and the, you know, one of the opening spreads as well. Those mushrooms on toast. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like you're foraging for them in the nighttime. Another mm-hmm. one of the best recipes. Yeah, in the that's issue. a good one. Highly recommended. So wait, what was the other one? The gazpacho, uh, the gazpacho water? Because water I'm going to make a meal of those yeah. best ones. <laughs> Start with that. Yeah. Then go to the mushrooms on toast. I love our tomatoes with ash cheese. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That Smoking ash. That was a really, that's a good one. The zucotto. Yes. Tell me a little about that because, I mean, it has a historical uh, context to it as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's of a cathedral in yeah, Florence. Yeah, yeah. That that was the the kind of dome shape of it is where the name came from. Um, we kind of that's actually it's a super easy recipe to make, and we wanted. I think we approach when we first thought of it, we're like, oh, this could get complicated. This could be like an <laughs> ill flotant kind of situation. <laughs> but it ended up being really easy because Maggie very cleverly used kind of pre-made Pandoro and layered it up. And it's it was, was incredibly delicious. Yeah. Squidding pasta, mapa dofu. Um, having those right next to each other was such a fascinating contrast, too, mm-hmm. because, you know, the my idea behind traces is leaving remnants as well. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously you, you talk about an issue about how it's, it's familiar memories, mm-hmm. uh, of the family of the past, uh, maybe even, you know, seeing into the future, mm-hmm. but those two things, I know I can't walk away from without squid ink and black all over the hands. And yeah. Mapadofu just covered in that red Heat. oil. <laughs> Heat. Yeah. yeah. How important was yeah. it? Because I love some of the images and some of the text too, that talks about, the parts that aren't the pretty dish, mm-hmm. you know, are, are, you know, either the assemblage or the destruction of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was important. We kind of wanted to explore every facet of the word traces where we're things, there are things that are literally leaving traces behind, you know, the black of the squid ink on your, on your face, <laughs> with me, <laughs> on your hands, um, the mapo tofu, which is literally leaving like the heat behind the chili. And I, we wanted to kind of explore every single facet of the word. And that's why that issue was so fun to put together. Those Mexican wedding cookies. Does it have any (laughs) familiar bonds to either of you? Yeah. Well, that recipe was my grandmother's recipe. And so it's uh, something that within my family we make every holiday season. So, And then that was, again, part of the theme of traces with um, just strong family traditions coming into the issue. And, I mean, like you were saying, 
you know, one spread you'll have the squid ink, one spread you'll have the tofu, and I think there might not be like a clear thread food-wise, perhaps. You know, yeah. it's, we're not trying to make a continuous Could meal out of the yeah. whole issue, yeah. but I think the fun thing with the concept is that it pushes us into like all of these different wild territories and some it all holds together somehow certainly yeah there there is more than overarching theme umbrella to all this there's a reason why you won the james beard award for visual storytelling (laughs) two sbd gold medals there's a reason you're on this show and i'm very excited to have you here and we're going to take a quick break and come right back you've been listening to the food scene on heritage radio network.org we'll be right back Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christy's family slate quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn. They found a number of purposes for the slate and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. They now make regular trips to the family quarry in upstate New York to handpick their favorite pieces of black and red slate. Some of the slate is sourced from the quarry graveyard, a collection of odd-shaped pieces that were ultimately destined to be ground for use as road cover or baseball diamonds. They then transport the pieces to their studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where they do additional cutting and clean the stone to be food slate. Every single piece of packaging that comes with their products, from the envelope to the burlap bag, can be repurposed for other uses. The end result is a product completely unique in cut, shape, color, and overall presentation. For more information and to order, visit brooklynslate.com. Welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. Your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. And I really don't think there is more information that you can get from Brooklyn Slate. That was one of the most <laughs> thorough it was very advertisements. Thorough. I, I learned and a lot. I thank did. you, Sean and Christy. They, they are friends of mine. Yeah. It's a wonderful product. We like their should. products. We like yep. them a lot. Yeah. Yep. And we'll, we'll talk about the merchandise you have yeah. in the back of the books, yeah. too, because Hold now I have a whole new covet list. Because of Gavin. <laughs> so both thank you and F you. Um, <laughs> see, I told you we can curse oh, yeah. a little bit. Um, third issue, Rough Cut. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, I explained the front cover, the black and blueberry pie, very tongue-in-cheek and mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing, you know, allegory towards Hitchcock's um, Psycho. But at first, sometimes I'm a visual person, and at first sometimes I flip through a magazine, and I was already struck with how amazing, you know, uh, each page was. And then reading about all the movies related to the recipes, again, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And so let's start from the beginning. Um, <laughs> Lots. <laughs> the Champagne Onion Dip in the Seven Year Itch is not yeah. a movie that I knew, but... Um, Did you watch it? No, I haven't yet. I'm, I'm going right. through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though it's fall, it feels like Indian summer. I feel yeah. like this weekend I might be able to blow yeah, through a whole it. bunch of these. What is the Seven Year Itch? It's with Marilyn Monroe, and it's it's a movie. I mean, it's a movie. I think I saw. I mean, I saw a long time ago, but I just love because it is like the embodiment of Marilyn as like the dizzy blonde that you know and love. It's just it's completely her character in that movie. And why is that recipe paired with that movie? Um, because, and this just to say something larger about the issue, I think we chose specifically not, a lot of the movies weren't like food movies per se. It was just movies that we liked to watch that we kind of thought of as summer movies. And then we did chapters that were like summer in the city versus beach versus road trip. Um, so it was, it's very loose the way we interpreted it. But Champagne Onion was because, uh, champagne and a pair of underwear was all that she had in her refrigerator <laughs> and apartment that summer. So we thought... Uh, that's perfect. And, and potato there's, chips. There's the scene potato where chips. she yeah. dips a potato chip Where she chip dips in a potato a chip and champagne, and we're like, champagne, onion, dip. So you guys just spent the whole time researching this issue. Yeah. a lot of movies. Watching movies. There were a lot of movies. Snacking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. this, this past winter was just movies. <laughs> a lot of movies. And it was great, because there were, I mean, it was, again, it was a wonderful um, sort of brainstorm amongst the four of us, uh, Maggie, Molly, Fiorella and myself, mm-hmm. and ter- and just bringing a lot of our favorite movies together. And so mm-hmm. there were some movies I had never seen. Again, you know, Seven Year Itch, I, I'm not sure I had seen. And mm-hmm. so I had a chance to watch mm-hmm. it, and it was great. So I think it was a really fun sort it was of fun. time. A lot of movie watching. A yeah. couple of the more literal, like the yeah. Bloody Maria from West Side yes. Story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Us. The Seafood Chum from Jaws. From Jaws, yeah. Just hilarious. One of my favorites. Yeah. And delicious. Very I would good. recommend that recipe. Don't it, be put off. Is it, yeah. <laughs> not at all. I mean... I love like Chiopinos and that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, but to, to be eating seafood chum yeah. while watching Jaws. Yeah. Did you go back and eat these recipes while watching these movies? <laughs> we we didn't actually, yeah. but it would be a whole new experience to go through. I encourage someone to do that, go through the issue. Absolutely. <laughs> Some reader should go through this whole issue do next it. summer. Eat everything. While watching the movie, movie yeah. yes. Um, the roasted pork belly with banana ketchup from Lord of Lord the Flies. Lord of the Flies, yeah. Now talk to me about that recipe a little, because I, I know the, the pig aspect is mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But banana ketchup, uh, and I love Filipino food, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's such a interesting condiment from that yeah. part of the Southeast Asian world. I think we just thought like bananas felt tropical to us, and we wanted to... F- have the kind of marooned on an island feel there was a tiny reference yeah. in the movie too yeah of you know they were marooned on the island right. and they were sustaining on bananas bananas yeah, and yeah. killing pigs and little boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so contemporary in that filipino cuisine is totally. uh, it's such it's a big a moment, thing right yeah. now so yeah. not only are you doing these thematic issues that you know have all these interesting intersections and wormholes but you're a contemporary with food mm-hmm. yeah um again you said you two always chatted about food and eating. So yeah. how important is it for you to be on trend as well as involve it in an artistic way? 
I don't think we really think about the trend. Like when it happens, it's kind of serendipitous. We're like, oh man, that's great. <laughs> that's I mean, actually cool right now. We definitely we eat uh, out a lot. Yeah, but I I hesitate to say we follow we're on trend by any yeah. means. But I do feel like the scope of what we eat and what we see definitely influences. Yeah. So what are you eating and where are you eating right now? And how does that inform you for future issues? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know if where I'm eating informed the next issue necessarily, but I can tell you where I'm eating right now. Yeah. Um, gosh, I really like Nightingale Number no. 9. I live in Carroll Gardens, Gowanus area. do I. And I think it's great. I think they're doing kale good. Sa- uh, that kale salad. salad. The collar salad yeah. with the coconut. Yes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't get it. I just, it's friggin' delicious. Yeah. How about you? Uh, well, I always have my go-to old school i love my diner in yeah williamsburg yeah so it's, it's pretty consistent for me i always return there for a good meal in that, in that space um, yeah it's a great great space it, it's a bonkers space because i remember <laughs> when i first walked into it you, you kind of feel drunk even though you haven't yeah. been drinking uh-huh. and disoriented kind of like it was uh, now I'm talking movies. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Are, I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those kind of very weird Terry it, Gilliam spaces, yeah. and always has been for me. Definitely. Um, okay, so it's not informing this issue where yeah. you're eating now, but it is informing how you approach new sure. issues and new work. Um, we're gonna get a little preview of the next issue in a second, but mm-hmm. I want to go back to Hitchcock and Wes Anderson. Please. Why those odes? Why those two? Uh, for me, being an art director, I'm just a big Wes Anderson geek. So yeah. <laughs> we had to go there, but very nervously. But yeah. We went there. Yeah. Oh, we just went with that. But done so well. Uh, I mean, the mango lassi and Indian spice nuts from Darjeeling Limited, uh, the fruits de mer from Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. Such uh, a good movie. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, um, and also the, the herb grilled quail from yeah. Fantastic Mr. <laughs> All hilarious. Yeah. But the, the butterscotch pudding. From the Royal Ten Bounds, mm-hmm. and I was about to rewatch the movie this morning. Mm-hmm. Why that recipe? There's a very small scene where she orders a butterscotch sundae, and so we were sort of riffing on that. Yeah. Um, but we just felt the pudding kind of felt appropriate for the whole vibe of, of the movie. Yeah. You seem like a pudding loving. <laughs> and I love a pudding. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that you pick up on these little idi- idiosyncrasies that mm-hmm. you know it's, it can be this minutia that then gets explored and blown up uh, larger than life. Mm-hmm. Yep. How often is it the small little detail rather than, you know, the big thing in front of your face that kind of... I think often, because yeah. I think we um, like to be smart about what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not to sound... <laughs> not to sound what, I don't know what that sounds like, but um, <laughs> you know, we do everything hopefully with a purpose and not just flippantly and just to be doing whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. There is definitely, we, we, we think pretty hard. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we we pondered a lot. Like, even just to come up with Anderson and Hitchcock, we thought a lot about directors, and we wanted to, that were also very different from each other and had two kind of very, very different visual styles. And So what are some of the more purposeful things that you've done <laughs> that you have yet to be complimented Oh, now you're going to call us out on no, it. No, no, but I'm <laughs> sure there are things that you probably did that you haven't been complimented about or haven't been pointed out. And what would you like to bring to light? Like, oh, this is current this way or this layout, you know. Is I t- do spend a lot of time kerning and tracking. <laughs> so I hope people appreciate it. Oh, I do. That's why I brought up the kerning. Yeah. Thank you. Um, For I'm all like, the type geeks out there. I'm trying to think if there's there. anything I want to highlight. Oh, I write a haiku in every issue. 
which I, I really <laughs> I really enjoy doing. The, I have to say. the Point Break Bodhi haiku in that issue is kind of genius. So just I love Bodhi. Yeah. Give a shout out to Fee for writing the most amazing haiku on Bodhi. I almost saw a live version of Point Break one time. I know. I've always wanted to go to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very close. Um, so there are these little things that you put mm-hmm. in, you know, obviously for yourselves first, but other people get yeah. attached to. And how has your audience changed how you've approached Gather Journal? Have you had criticism, feedback that's fed into your creative spirit? Am I taking that? Sure. Okay. Taking that. <laughs> um, I don't where we've been really surprised by our audience. Honestly, I think a lot of it is that we're carried in some very different, like diverse types of stores um, from like an anthropology where, you know, like my mom really likes picking up the <laughs> issue um, to like smaller stores like Marlowe and Williamsburg and um, like Stephen Allen or it's, it's just, it's been interesting seeing what everyone's takeaway is from it. Cause I think a lot of people regather that don't necessarily cook very much <laughs> even, <laughs> which we really want people to cook from the mm-hmm. issue. We really do. But a lot of them pick it up because they're just like, ah, oh, damn, we love the visuals. Like, there's kind of funny text in it, and they're looking at it from more of a, they come from like a style background, they appreciate it for different reasons. And that's been kind of fun to see mm-hmm. how broad the audience is. Yeah. Well, I mean, the response has been so enthusiastic. It's, 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 it's really, we've awesome. been pinching ourselves from the second we launched. It, we can't be more thankful for everyone. And, and also people have written about, you know, someone wrote us and they said, I discovered Gather because I was at a dinner party and they cooked the entire menu from Gather. That's how I found wow. out about Gather. That and that was nice. like the best compliment we could have ever gotten. So people, you know, cooking from it and writing us is awesome for sure. Yeah. Now, issue four. What have you gotten yourselves into? Um, okay. <laughs> the theme is cocoon. Cocoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's uh, a whole bunch of people. You were the first people. to know. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's food for the elderly. <laughs> a lot of soft food. Uh-huh. The fabulous Ron Howard film is mentioned <laughs> briefly. Um, but yeah, we wanted it. We just felt like that word was really evocative of a feeling that we like in the winter of kind of cozying up and being bundled and toasty and. Uh, we kind of took it in a lot of different directions from very like visual interpretations of things that literally look very cocoon-like to things that feel more cocoon-like. I can already give you, because it, it's amazing how a single word strikes a chord with someone so sure. quickly. Yeah. You know, and one is being wrapped up in some kind of blanket mm-hmm. in front of a fire drinking boozy cider. Mm-hmm. And the other is, as much as I hate it, I kind of love stuffed cabbage. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, hey. Just because it's like this <laughs> pocket and you don't know, well, you do know what's inside, but yep. it's not there until mm-hmm. you break it open and that's when all the magic the kind of spills out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's amazing these themes. Yeah. They're really they're really fun. Like yeah, the brainstorming definitely. is really really fun. We just go in many many different crazy directions. Have there been it. themes that you either put on the back burner or completely eliminated? Uh, yeah, we have a running list, actually, of... I don't know that we've completely... Eliminated. I think we have, mm-hmm. like, different columns in the list. Yeah. <laughs> ones that seem like they have more potential. But anytime we kind of happen upon a word that we really dig, we just add it to the list. Yeah, so there's definitely yeah. a running list. Yeah. That, you know, for the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to need a few more. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to be the fourth issue coming out. It is. Here's to that many more. And I'm just so excited every issue because they are so different. 
but have the same kind of sentimentality, mm-hmm. um, you know, and same kind of passion behind it mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I can't wait until it comes out. When should it be released? Uh, the second week of November. Yep. Okay. Well, it's a... In about a month. Yeah. Great thing to bring to Thanksgiving when you don't <laughs> want to deal with family. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and if that isn't an endorsement, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm scare them off with an yeah. issue of Gather. <laughs> thank you both. Um, and thank you again for making Gather Journal. It's been such a, you know, tremendous and inspired piece of work for food culture uh, mm-hmm. as a whole. That wow. For Love years it. to come. <laughs> Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. No problem. Been You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>